welcome back to For the Girls. We are only 16 days away from preseason testing in Bahrain, which is crazy, and only a few weeks away from the first Grand Prix on March 5th. So we have lots of exciting content coming to you to get ready for the season. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at F1RTheGirls, and you can find links there as well to our Discord, merch, etc. And we also have had several really amazing interviews recently, including with Bernie Collins, who is the head of race strategy at Aston Martin. So definitely check those out to get ready for the season. I'm Sarah. I'm Tiggy. And I'm Chessa. So like Sarah mentioned, today we're going to give you some stuff that you need to get ready for the season. So today will be an overview of some of the new faces on the grid for the drivers. There is a lot going on. So we have three rookies, DeVries racing for AlphaTauri, Piastri for McLaren. He was the king of the 2022 silly season drama, which we will give a brief recap on again. And then we have Logan Sargent, an American, racing for Williams. Then we also have our illustrious returner, Nico Hulkenberg. We're going to give you some of the background on each of the drivers, and then we're going to get into some of the latest news that you need to know. So let's start with Hulkenberg. First, I'm still salty about this because he's replacing Mick at Haas, but <laughs> onwards we go. I know. <laughs> so Hulkenberg, he is a German driver who last had a full-time drive in F1 in 2019. He is 35, so he's definitely filling the older, more experienced driver role. But what's interesting is that that is sort of K-Mag's role as well. So we'll get into that later. Um, In 2019, he was Danny Rick's teammate at Renault working for the King Cyril. We miss you, Cyril. (laughs) For those of you who don't know, Cyril was the Renault principal who lost his job after the 2020 season due to Renault's underperformance before the rebrand to Alpine. He is a very charismatic Frenchman who got plenty of uh, Drive to Survive drama. I think he's one of the favorites of many. Uh, But anyway, Nico last had a drive in 2019, and he has been a a reserve driver since then. He was a reserve driver for Racing Point in 2020, did two races when Checo got COVID and another race when Lance was sick. He stayed on as a reserve driver for the 2021 and 2022 seasons after Racing Point's rebrand to Aston Martin, filled in for Seb when he had COVID in 2022. I think all of that has earned him the super sub um, reputation (laughs) as we know him. Um, But he's definitely had some impressive drives as a reserve driver for Racing Point. He he qualified P3 at Silverstone, uh, raced from P20 to P8 in Germany. But his drives for Aston Martin were somewhat underwhelming. Of course, to his credit, the Aston Martin car was nothing amazing to write home about at that time. But it is and it's also hard to be a reserve driver, just expected to jump into a car and perform in a bad car, no less. But uh, we are interested in seeing how he performs. I wonder if he would have been promoted to like to drive for Haas this year if he hadn't had all of these random F1 drives because everyone had COVID. Just a I don't that think so. Right yeah, I think he would have been done if he hadn't really stuck around in this reserve driver capacity. Well, I guess it, it goes to show how much like luck can play into something like this. You just totally. have to get and we'll get into that with DeVries later too. But yeah. back to Hulkenberg's beginnings. As we said, he's kind of an old hand on the grid. He made his F1 debut for Williams in 2010. Then he raced for Force India from 2011 to 2012, which became Racing Point, then Aston Martin, Sauber for 2013, back at Force India for a, free, for a few seasons, and then 
Renault for 2017 to 2019 with Danny Rick. He was definitely considered to be a decent, reliable driver, but not any sort of standout on the grid. Unfortunately, he has the sad record of the most F1 starts without a podium ever. Tragic. Yeah, this has been heartbreaking a few times. He's finished P4 several times. One race in particular, he came so close. Like The podium was his, and then he went off at the very end. So maybe Haas 2023 is the moment for him. I doubt it. I mean, he's joining Haas. <laughs> okay, let's be optimistic here, Jessa. <laughs> Sorry. We so, did have a KMAC poll, so you never know what can happen. So Speaking I think of be, luck. Yeah. <laughs> I think it'll be in, an interesting pairing to have Hulkenberg and KMAC as as driver partners. First, KMAC is 30, so as we mentioned, this is definitely an older pairing instead of the classic pairing of an experienced older hand and then the younger, fresher drive. And more importantly, these two had a very famous confrontation at the Hungarian GP five years ago in 2017. Definitely give it a Google if you haven't seen it. They were basically wheel-to-wheel in Budapest. KMAC forced Hulkenberg off the track, and then afterwards, Hulkenberg confronted KMAC while he was being interviewed in the media pen and called him, quote, the most unsporting driver on the grid. And then KMAC responded with a very expletive insult. It's very funny. Go look it up. We're not going to say it here. Um, And they've insisted insisted that this does not represent their relationship, that they respect each other, et cetera. They're probably very well media trained and had to say that. But um, what do you guys think about this? First off, it's so funny that Hulkenberg goes in with the most kind of fancy insult you can do. Like, you're the most unsporting driver. And then K-Mac responds, which just would just like so expletive written. <laughs> but <laughs> I feel like every driver, I mean, this is not true of every pair, but like in such a high intensity sport you're bound to have spats with drivers like i i kind of actually do believe that it doesn't represent their relationship i feel like they're both older mature men hopefully (laughs) i think i think this vibe for haas this year is gonna be if it feels a bit like a reset year like haas is buying some time before they figure out who their young star could be totally they have sponsors now I don't know. I feel like it's a reset year and that's what Hulkenberg like does well to serve. So it's just going to be like two older guys doing their best, but I doubt it's going to be very fiery. Uh, but you never know. You never know. It is F1. Yeah, I think it's it's a very clear kind of strategy here with replacing Mick where I think this shows that they're not expecting to be competing at the front of the grid, but instead they want two more experienced drivers who can give them feedback on the car not cost them millions of dollars crashing the car, hopefully, and kind of help them move the car into the next phase and the next step. So that hopefully, yeah, in a couple of years, they can pull out that kind of 20-year-old F2 star who could be the future of the team. But it's definitely a focus on experience and reliability instead of kind of promoting maybe future talent. That's very well said. So on to DeVries. Nick DeVries, he is a 27-year-old Dutch driver, also a little bit on the older side. He will be racing for Alpha Tauri after Mercedes released him from their organization to let him pursue the opportunity. 
So Nick DeVries, he won F2 in 2019. He won in the 2020-2021 season Formula E, and then he was a Mercedes reserve driver. He was widely considered to be one of the most talented drivers without an F1 seat, so people have been super excited about him getting this opportunity. He's super connected to the grid already, good friends with Max, being Dutch. He has described him as a big brother figure in racing, which is funny because Max is actually younger. Um, but he came up in racing with a lot of the current grid and came close to getting a drive before. It was actually really close between him and Lando for a McLaren seat in 2019. DeVries had a big breakout moment this year when Albon had complications from appendicitis surgery and couldn't race. DeVries was also acting as a Williams reserve driver as part of the Mercedes family, and teams are usually pretty flexible about sharing reserve drivers. Um, so it was that was a really huge chance for him there. Yeah, he's definitely a good example of the success or like goal of that new rule this year that requires teams to run rookies in two practices throughout the whole season. He also filled in at the Italian GP and his performance was really really good. He he bleh. first he filled in for Vettel in FP1, so he was driving an entirely different car than what he was actually used to. And then last minute, obviously, like we just said, because of Alvin's health issue, he got into the Williams car for FP3. And then he qualified P13 and then started P8 after all the grid penalties worked out. And then he ended up finishing in the point. So really, really good for him. I'm actually – this might be one of the ones I'm most excited to see this season. And I think with Yuki, the vibe will be pretty good. I mean, Yuki can be a little bit sassy on the radio, but I think for the most part, they'll probably try their best to really get along as teammates. I think it's going to be a fun pair to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really exciting for him that he finally got a seat, and he's an example of what Tiggy and Chelsea said earlier about luck and how everything – but also persistence. He's talked about how he, to sort of stay in the game, took a lot of opportunities in different racing series, basically did everything he could to try to stay close to F1. And so I think it's a great example of both luck coming into play because he was able to fill in for Albon and show off his talent. But at the same time, he has really done everything he could to prepare himself and also stay optimistic about it when a lot of people who had raced with his age or even younger than him had already gotten their chance in F1. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about Piastri. I might have got put the cart ahead of the horse earlier and said I was really excited for DeVries. I think I'm actually really, really excited for Piastri. So he's replacing Danny this year at McLaren. He's another man from down under. This is the first time since 2014 that McLaren isn't actually signing someone who had been part of their team or on their books as like a reserve driver or development driver. So kind of a big deal for Piastri to make this move. He's 21, so he's definitely also one of the youngest drivers to ever make his F1 debut. A little bit of background on him. Like I said, he's from Brighton, which is just a suburb of Melbourne, Australia, and he started his career in karting in 2013. Guys, he was also born in 2001. So, wow. Yeah, it's baby. I feel very old. So, yeah, he was 15 when he started. He was really young when he started his career in karting in, 20, in 2013. And then at 27, in 2017, at just 15 years old, he made his single seater debut at the UAE F4 Championship. Honestly, I can't even remember what I was doing at 15. This is insane. <laughs> he really hit the ground running for sure. He 
went on to race in the British F4 Championship, and then in 2019, he won the Formula Renault Euro Cup. His first one was at Silverstone, and he got the championship, winning the final race at Yas Marina. He was really able to keep the momentum going during COVID. He showed some serious promise and won both the F2 and F3 championships in his rookie season. And only Leclerc and Russell are the other drivers who have done this before. So definitely in good company. And that's part of why he was kind of considered such a big talent and talked about so much. 2020, he won F3 in his rookie season with Prima Racing. He even won his debut race, which is crazy. In 2021, he won the F2 championship. He podiumed in every race. And on his website, it actually says, quote, his maturity and raw speed were the winning combination as he took the crown two races to go in his rookie season. <laughs> Love it. Just know your worth. <laughs> maturity and raw speed. <laughs> At 21, the pure maturity. I love it. <laughs> so for his F1 debut just last year in 2022, he graduated from the Alpine Driver Academy and became Alpine's reserve driver. And it's safe to say the teams were very impressed. And this is what ultimately led to our favorite slash most stressful moment of the summer, which was silly season. Um, as you all know, we did that emergency episode with this with this stuff going down. But high level overview, Alpine had announced that Piastri would be their driver for 2023. And then Piastri infamously tweeted that he was not driving for Alpine. McLaren then announced him as their driver, and after a meeting of the contract recognition board, it was confirmed that they had the right to his services as a driver and not Alpine, which helped him get his start at F1. But there was a lot of drama behind the scenes with Danny's future at McLaren and and all of that. But And also this being triggered by Alonzo just totally yes. <laughs> Going ditching. Wrong. With no warning. <laughs> he struck the match and watched the world burn. <laughs> but Piastri had his first day at the McLaren offices over the weekend, uh, which is fun to see. And the team posted a YouTube video surprising him with a new McLaren Artura as a gift for signing with the team, which is a pretty sweet, almost quarter million dollar company car slash signing bonus type thing. <laughs> um <laughs> The video also shows him sitting down with Zach Brown and talking about the, quote, first podium bet and what he'll get once he wins his first race with McLaren. If we remember, Danny got Zach to get a tattoo. So we'll see. It seems like good vibes already, though. I'm one one Australian onto the next, like, yeah. <laughs> we're ready to go. So what can we expect from him this season? I think there is a lot of change happening at McLaren. One, Danny left, which I think will actually leave kind of a big void personality-wise. Two, they have their new principal, so that might add to it as well. Remember, Andrea Seidel left, and Andrea Stella was promoted to his replacement. It's going to be very confusing since those names are eerily similar, but I think that will definitely <laughs> lead to a little bit of um, – I mean, maybe it'll be good for Piastri, like new new principal, new driver, and it'll help them like merge really quickly and bond right away. But I think there was a lot of undue pressure. There is a lot of undue pressure on Piastri right now after all of this signing drama. And then that's definitely only increasing the super high expectations on him. And I think for McLaren, there is a lot of pressure this year to maybe come out on top of the midfield. So I think they'll be – I think Piastri is definitely facing not an uphill battle, but there's a lot of pressure on him. What do you guys think? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of pressure on him after such a public 
spat with Alpine. The entire grid was talking about it. Certain team principals like Toto made some really kind of harsh comments about young drivers not being grateful and how Alpine had invested so much in him and he was ditching them. So it's hard because I think people, they know more than we do, but people still were making a lot of comments about him without necessarily knowing all the behind the scenes stuff that happened at Alpine. So that's, I think, going to be tough for him. Yeah, I'm hoping it's been a bit of a reset, though. Like, now that the grid is set, everything is, like, ready to go. Hopefully people are just viewing him as McLaren's new driver and, like, his drama is behind him. I guess that's maybe wishful thinking. But I do think there is a lot of pressure on him and the team. But I I also think if any pair can kind of handle that, I feel like Lando and Oscar are really well set up to, to do super well. I'm really excited to see Lando this season. I feel like he really might be able to kind of break out of his good, but not amazing track record so far at McLaren. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for them. I think what's going to be more interesting is like, who's going to come out on top? Is Lando automatically going to be the first driver or is Piastri going to give him a run for his money? Like, how do they deal with team orders if those are necessary? I think all those questions are going to be interesting. Yeah, I would slightly disagree on the Lando thing because I think he has done pretty amazingly given how bad the McLaren car was. Like the fact that he was the only podium this year um, apart from the top teams in a McLaren when Danny, his teammate, couldn't even drive the car. Um, So (laughs) I'm super – I'm so excited. This is one of the – I think – Maybe the pairing I'm most excited to see because I think it's not guaranteed that either of them are number one driver. I think they're both super talented, about the same age. They're kind of considered peers in a sense. So I think this could get really spicy. I think Lando's been able to just chill in a sense for a few years because it's been a given that he's going to be better than his teammate. So I think this will be really exciting and could get spicy very quickly. Yeah, I guess like the success I mean is like without the caveat of the car. It's like let's see Lando unleashed with an amazing car and yeah, not having to like coast. Definitely don't take any of the skill or like accomplishments away from him, but I would love to like see people talk about Lando in the same breath as they talk about like Charles or George this season or someone else. Totally. Lando unleashed. See if McLaren can do that for him. (laughs) (laughs) Women's health is so important and balanced hormones are key for that. We've been loving Hormone Harmony from Happy Mammoth, who's committed to making women's lives easier. Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, science-backed herbal extracts that help the body adapt to stressors like hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. We love it because it helps us maintain optimal hormone levels and supports our mood and general well-being. There is a reason that one bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code F1Rthegirls at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code F1Rthegirls for 15% off today. 
Okay, friends, it's festival and concert season, and you know it's all about the boots this year. That's why you need to make Tacova's your number one place for festival style this spring. And don't forget to shop their seasonal and limited edition offerings, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. We love Tacova's. They have a first wear comfort, which basically means there's no break in period. It's the best thing ever. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personal. Personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's really no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, though, just visit tecovas.com, T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, so our next or last new driver is Logan Sargent. So he's going to be Williams' new drivers. He's replacing Latifi for the 2023 season, which I'm also kind of nostalgic about. I feel like we always had a good Latifi plug for every episode. So Did hopefully you just say nostalgic for Latifi? Yeah, we had like some fun talking about Latifi last season. Just well, Tiki, didn't you recently see a giant um, – I did. I am still in the land of Canada, and we went to the Grand Prix track, um, the Montreal track, Jacques Villeneuve, and Latifi and Stroll are plastered all over the place, the pride and joys of Canada. <laughs> They're a little – they have to switch that up, I guess. I know. <laughs> Sad. So, just Stroll now, just Stroll's just face. <laughs> representing the great nation of Canada. <laughs> So Williams had their eyes on Sargent all last season. He was a Williams Academy driver, and they were just waiting for him to get those last few super license points in his F2 season to make it official. He's only 22, so I think Albon will definitely be the senior and more experienced driver on the team, and I think it'll be a pretty good pairing. So Logan is from Florida and started his career in karting at age eight and quickly moved to Europe to pursue it full time. Immediately, he was super successful. He won the Karting Federation Junior Championship in 2015 and became the first American to win a karting world championship since the 1970s. So really representing. Um, Before joining F3, he raced in the Formula 4 UAE Championship, the F4 British Championship, and the Formula Renault Euro Cup. In 2019, he made his F3 debut with Carlin Racing, and the following year he returned to F3 with Prima Racing with Piastri as his teammate, uh, no less. And it was a notoriously competitive championship, and he finished third overall, only missing out on the title by four points, which Piastri took. Um, so yeah, good stuff. I think it's crazy that they were, that they were really close that season and it was definitely very competitive. And then that Logan's going to Williams and Piastri's going to, to McLaren, but I'm, I'm curious to see how they'll, they'll duke it out on the, on the grid next season or this season. Yeah. I feel like it's unfortunately a bit of an uneven matchup with the cars, yeah, but... with the cars. <laughs> Logan also raced for F3 for 2021 and then had his first full F2 season in 2022. He was definitely a standout rookie. He finished P4 in the standings and got his necessary super license points. It's really huge for the sport and for Americans to have an F1 driver. An American last drove an F1 in 2015, but an American hasn't driven a full season and kind of been a marquee driver of a team since 2006. So really going to be a crazy amount of pressure and attention on him as the American driver in a season that has three races, Miami, Austin, and Vegas. And of course, Vegas is being hyped up so much by Formula One. He said recently, quote, hopefully I can represent 
America well and make them proud. I don't think it's any extra pressure, to be honest. I have high expectations for myself as it is. I think we've talked a little bit about this. I think this might not make that much of a difference for American F1 fandom, seeing as it's a Williams car and not (laughs) an American with a Ferrari or Red Bull or Mercedes contract. But I do think it could be a really big storyline that could get attention in mainstream U.S. media if, for instance, he got points in the U.S. race or something like that. Yeah, I think, like, if – if things don't go well, by that I just mean like he just has a regular Williams season. I think it'll be fine and fine and good. But if he does like anything extraordinary or like gets points or, or like does better than what's expected of him, I think it's going to be wild. So I think it's only his to lose. I think he's in a good position, and it seems like he's handling the pressure well. And with the new team principal too, remember Williams now has a new team principal who's coming over from Mercedes, it'll be a good time for them to bond and, and get their thing going. And who knows? I think it'll be really interesting to see. Yeah. And just a note on the American situation for this year, like we'll talk about the Red Bull event with the livery reveal and everything. Like they emphasized America so much during that event. Like the whole video montage was America. Like the fact that they did it in New York, obviously, Like, they just talked about all the three races. They're doing that livery competition for the three U.S. races. Like, I feel like we're not even prepared for how much of the hype that is going to arrive (laughs) in the U.S. this year. It just seems, like, so crazy. But it'll be exciting. And just one last thing to mention about Logan. We've touched on it briefly in a previous episode, but just um, some news about his family's political connections. We're not going to focus on it, but... Because there is a connection and the news has been swirling on this, we thought we'd give you just a high-level background. Um, So his uncle is a former fighter pilot and billionaire businessman that runs the companies which supply aviation fuel to the U.S. military um, that have huge fleets of tankers and barges. And he has been orbiting the Trump Association and was allegedly involved in some foreign policy initiatives in Ukraine Logan has not associated with any of this, but um, just some interesting connections there that have been all over the news. So wanted to keep you guys in the loop as always. Next for some news, we had the Ford and Red Bull launch this week in New York, which was so exciting. So Ford and Red Bull had a big launch in New York this week at the Classic Car Club. Among other fun things, they said that there would be a fan competition to design liveries for the U.S. races. And as Tiggy said, huge America theme. One thing we were laughing about as people who live in New York, which was so funny, was they were all photographed, especially Christian had a big photo op leaving the Hard Rock hotel in Times Square which (laughs) on brand on brand that's all I'll say (laughs) just oh god first off Tiggy I'm yeah on I guess on brand and also it's interesting seeing when we're saying about how teams are going to lean into America like are they just going to kind of go with these wild American stereotype type brands is that what we have to offer the hard rock I know the hard rock (laughs) and my dad I was telling my dad this and he made the funniest joke about he said oh I bet not I bet Christian and the drivers didn't actually stay there they were staying at like the mark or the Carlisle or something and then just went in for the photo op of walking out the front door (laughs) yeah I'm actually I would not put that past them that's hilarious I'm imagining Christian and Max and Checo being like well we can't stay here (laughs) 
<laughs> Coffee can't be that bad. I mean, it's like literally a brand new hotel. And I will say the Hard Rock Cafe burgers are really good. Don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> so at the at the event where they unveiled delivery, they announced that they're going to have their new partnership with Ford, which definitely took the the news by storm. The media was really excited. They will be joining Red Bull powertrains from 2026 onwards to make engines for Red Bull and AlphaTauri. If we go back um, Ford versus Ferrari days, Ford used to be quite involved in F1, but they've been out of the sport for over 20 years. They made a famous engine for Lotus in the 1960s, and Graham Hill and Jim Clark both won titles with that engine. They were also active in the 90s and made the engine for Benetton, and Schumacher won his first title with that car. So definitely a lot of cool history there. I think it was probably really good opportune timing for them. And then hopefully by 2026, F1 will be America's number one sport and it'll be perfect timing. I mean, let's go. <laughs> forget football. I think it'll be a huge thing. <laughs> We're ready. Uh, Danny Ricardo was also there, of course, in full Red Bull kit in his first big appearance for Red Bull since his return. They definitely made a big deal out of that and his third driver status. Um, other things to look out for, so Haas, Williams, and Alfa Romeo also held their livery launch events, and many more will be taking place over the next few days. The Haas livery looks cool. It's a it's a darker theme, which is interesting, so we'll see if it makes them go any faster. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, Tiggy. <laughs> well, you know, let, let's hope. But the Williams and Red Bull ones look exactly the same as you guys probably saw. There were so many jokes and memes about the Red Bull car and like this huge buildup for literally the same car. And the chat in the live Red Bull event was so funny. It was like, wait, it's the same car. That's so boring. But he was going off in this live chat. Um But yeah, once all the cars launch, we will be doing a special episode to get you all primed and ready for the upcoming season about our thoughts on the cars and everything. So we have a lot coming for you as we head into the season. And other bit of news here, as we've discussed, the FIA has a new rule for 2023, which provides that all drivers are now banned from making any political, religious or personal statements without prior approval. And we previously talked about this, but it's coming up more recently as drivers start to make the first statements about it. And a lot of people have said this in news commentary, but one thing that's particularly ironic about it is that the FIA themselves deciding which statements are allowed is going to be a political, religious, or personal statement. So Botas was the first driver to explicitly say that the FIA was trying to, quote, control drivers, that drivers should be able to say what they want. But up and down the grid, a lot of people are talking about this. Max said at the Red Bull launch event that the rule was unnecessary and that drivers should be allowed to speak out. Horner added that F1 drivers shouldn't be expected to be robots. And Checo said that the drivers as a group are generally upset about this. Albon said at the Williams launch event more recently that a lot of drivers are very confused and concerned since the FIA's We Race as One initiative in 2020 is definitely going against this new rule and yeah, definitely feels like they want to choose some things to back, but definitely want to have the option to not choose others. Um, Albon said that as F1 drivers, they are actually really looked to as, quote, spokespeople for issues around the world and that he feels a responsibility for drivers to make people aware of these kinds of situations. And I think he means more kind of like the situations in certain countries where they might be driving. People are definitely comparing this to 
FIFA because um, FIFA made some clampdown on statements right before the World Cup last year in Qatar. Um, my opinion on this is that it's unfortunate, but it's not a shocker given to me where given where a lot of the sports money is coming from and how in the past drivers like Hamilton have spoken up about racing in countries that have serious human rights issues. And I think like that whole side of the spectrum is going to be where they're going to have like the most quote, like issues with political statements and things like that. And they don't want to be upsetting where the big money is coming from. What do you guys think? Yeah, it just feels like censorship at its finest, but it is interesting, like Liberty Media being an American company, like at some point, I know the FIA is like a separate body, but I feel like there's going to have to be a reckoning with some of this. And like at some point, drivers, I hope, are not going to stand for it because I think it's ridiculous and something that is just not okay. Um, but yeah, I, I really hope that the drivers take a stand on it or fans or whoever, whatever it takes for this to, to change. But I do really think it's important to have drivers be able to speak up. Like imagine if we didn't have Seb these past few years talking about everything he was talking about. Like it seems, uh, more, (laughs) not, not as much as a coincidence that they're instituting this after he's gone. So I hope someone kind of takes the the torch yeah agreed and I also hope it doesn't all fall on Lewis I hope that other drivers also um stand up and speak out about stuff and it is definitely will be an interesting space to watch with tensions between F1 and the FI F1 ownership and the FIA leadership because that's definitely been a little bit of a news headline recently it seems like F1 is unhappy with the FIA leadership I'm sure this is adding to that. And yeah, it totally feels incredibly money-oriented. They're doing this aggressive schedule in countries that some drivers might not be comfortable racing in or even team members of teams like women needing to go to the paddock in countries where they have no rights and can't vote like in Saudi. Um, so I think it's it's very interesting and will be a big space to watch this season. I hope that drivers defy it but at the same time it's hard if the FIA starts threatening taking away points or whatever it is they could do then it's almost a lot to expect for drivers to be publicly defying it potentially at the risk of their own um, seasons but at the same time I really hope drivers do ignore this and kind of call the FIA's bluff or just kind of push the FIA on this. So with that, we will wrap up and we're so excited. We're so close to testing into the season, really kicking off. Um, Watch out on our Instagram this week. We're going to be soliciting some hot takes from you all for our next episode. We have lots of fun stuff coming. So stay tuned and we'll talk to you next time.